All right, guys. We've never had an intervention on the show, but we're going to have one right now. And this applies to both of you guys, but perhaps a bit more to Mr. Overton. Mm, must be alcohol. Well, you know, neither of you guys are 25 anymore, and sometimes you need to take a break away from the alcohol. Oh, Lord. So I want to talk to you about a healthy alternative to alcohol that can be just the right fix after a stressful day. You know, Woody, like a day after 10 crazies from Wisconsin come into town to kill a thousand wild boars and you idiots end up killing a thousand shiner box at the same time. That's going to happen. <laughs> well, I know it is. And so I want to tell you about a product called Recess Mood. Mm. Think about it. Even the name sounds relaxing. Recess Mood is a delicious sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing adaptogens so you can relax without the alcohol or the hangover. Now, while Jim is looking up the meaning of adaptogens, I'll continue on. Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show listeners get 15% off the Recess Mood sampler pack at takearecess.com slash R-L-R-C. That's takearecess.com slash R-L-R-C. You can enjoy Recess Mood after a busy day or whatever you need to relax and unwind. Recess Mood is made with real fruit and comes in four delicious flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. Mm. Those sound yummy. Yeah. It's only got 20 calories, doesn't have any sugar in it. So I don't know if you've ever had guilt, Woody. But if you do, recess mood could help you get rid of it. Yeah, but I've had the pain of not having a recess. <laughs> okay, well, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash R-L-R-C and get 15% off a recess mood sampler pack. It's your go-to alcohol replacement. Yeah, the rights remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? And the wolf is at your door. You running so that's for sure. This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that of a sexual nature and should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off of the internet or for some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes, what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, 
Woody Overton. In today's story, y'all, it's, it's a tragic, tragic, horrible thing, uh, but it's definitely a real-life real crime. And I'm going to call this one, Why Not Divorce? So we go back to um, many years ago. I think it was like 2005 or 2006, and... My mom always says there's two things you never have to go far to find in South Louisiana, and that's a bar room or a church. And today we're going to be talking about a church. Like most of the churches, y'all, are really small. Um, the one I used to go to in Hammond, and I was the only Caucasian male in the church. Uh, if there were 10 or 15 people in the church on, on Sunday, that was a lot, right? And that was Pastor Shirley Vicks uh, who ran that Church of God of Prophecy. When Baton Rouge, there's a church called the Ministry of Jesus Christ, and it was located at 1935 Dallas Drive in Baton Rouge. And as a, as usual, that they were holding nine o'clock services, right? And but total in the whole church were six adults and five children. All right. So the pastor, uh, his name was Miss Brown, um, said that she saw a guy named Anthony Bell arrive at the church around 9.15 a.m. So a couple minutes late. And he, he walks in, y'all, and look, this is a little small church. Um, I mean, like probably eight pews or something like that. And what, you've got uh, six adults, so you got 11 people. Uh, between the adults and the children in the, in the church total. Um, so right, uh, Bell walks in, and he holds up the church, and he, and he asks Pastor Brown, he says, hey, you know, um, can I have the floor? I, I'd like to dress the church. And preacher was like, okay, Preacher Brown was kind of like, okay, this is kind of unusual, and she's female, y'all. But she said, okay, we, I went grant your request and so Anthony Bell then says to everybody in the sin attendance he says that he wanted Erica back and she was there y'all and Erica was his wife and she was there with I think three of their kids but he says look Erica I want you back and will you please get back together with me and what happened Erica said no Right now, when you go to these small churches, y'all, you're going to know everyone pretty much. They're all going to be family members and what have you. But Erica just says no. And then Anthony Bell got mad. Right. And he left the church. But um, And the pastor Brown was like, OK, that was kind of unusual. But she could see him outside the one of the church and he's walking up and down, back and forth on the sidewalk. And so. Pastor Brown calls her father uh, up, and his name was Leonard Howard, y'all, and said, hey, can you go outside and check on Anthony and, you know, make sure he's okay? So uh, Leonard Howard went outside, and he talked to Anthony. He was like, hey, man, what's going on? And Are you okay? And Anthony says, yeah, yeah I'm all right. And so Howard comes back into church, and he goes up to Pastor Brown. And he says, hey, he says he's good, right? Um, so church goes on 
in well, the service goes on. Uh, as the service was ending and and they were closing everything up and people were leaving, um, Pastor Brown heard a commotion in the outer room of the church, and she heard her mama, Gloria Howard, say, "Don't, don't shoot me, Anthony." And the Pastor Brown she took off towards the door, right, to see what was happening. And before she could get to the door, y'all, she heard pow, 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 gunshots, right? And the next thing she could remember herself is that she was on the floor laying on top of a baby's car seat. Now, Pastor Brown had been shot in the back of the head, and moments later, she heard her daughter, Erica, who is Anthony Bell's wife, that said she didn't want to get back with him. And, and she heard her say, Anthony, can I kiss my mama goodbye? And Pastor Brown heard Bell say, yes, you can. So Erica leans down and kisses her mama on the cheek. And Pastor Brown looked up and saw gun hanging down from Anthony Bell's hand, right? So then they leave the church, and uh, Anthony Bell and Erica were leaving the church, and Brown heard Bell say, come on, Erica, let's go. I told you I was going to do it. So tragedy, right? But y'all, five of the six adults present at the church had been shot, and all of them were shot in the head. And Erica, Anthony Bell's wife, and her three children uh, had been were taken from the church in a rented beige Nissan Maximum car by Anthony Bell. Now, Pastor Brown, y'all, as she's laying on the floor, she's still alive, but she's been shot in the head, so she's bleeding profusely. She's down, um, and from where she was at, she could see at least one of the other church goers. Um, down on the floor also and she called out to him and, and got no response and she called out to one of the two kids that were left in the church and said hey give, give me my cell phone give me give my cell phone and so they, the, one of the kids brought a cell phone to her well guess what it wouldn't work right so that, I mean then she's like I need a cell phone and they, they brought her another cell phone um that one of the kids got off one of the victims who was down on the floor and Pastor Brown calls 911, right? And she says, you know, 911, what's your emergency? And she said, look, um, Anthony Bell shot up the church and, and I need an ambulance like now. And she said, I can see um, my family members on the ground, but none of them are moving. And so operator says look you know Pastor Brown call out to see if anyone will answer you so she did she was like hey is anyone here anyone alive and, and can anyone hear me can anyone hear me and y'all there was no response okay and Pastor Brown and the two children were the only people left alive in the church. So Pastor Brown tells the 911 operator, she said, look, I'm covered in blood. and um, 
I don't know if I'm shot or not um, or where I'm shot. And she said, but I feel like I'm going to faint. And the call ends when Pastor Brown hears noises and thought that Anthony Bell was coming back into the church. And, you know, I don't know y'all the, the, couldn't, what happens in a situation like this. I remember when this happened clearly. The, um, so what happens is the police are now dispatched and they arrive and they found uh, all the dead people in the church. And Pastor Brown was still conscious, believe it or not, being shot in the head. And she told him straight up, she said, Anthony Bell shot me, right? So what do they do? They put her in an ambulance and take her to Our Lady Lake Medical Center in Baton Rouge. And she was co- she was still cognizant enough to be, when the detectives got there, and she gave a statement to uh, police. But she had to have surgery and, you know, be rushing to surgery and, uh, for the seriousness of her injuries, right? So, but she told the police at the hospital for surgery, um, she said, that, well, they said she was slow to communicate due to the medical treatment that she was getting. But she told the police, she said, Anthony Bell came into the church and asked the church to pray with him. And she said, she asked her father to go speak to him outside and when Anthony was pacing up and down the sidewalk, and then she could see this from the, from the pupil, right? And she stated that Bell then came back in the church and began shooting everyone. And she t- she said, "Look, he was wearing a red and white and blue pullover shirt and denim shorts." And after the shooting, he took Erica and the three children children from the church, all right? So, you know, Pastor Brown was able to, to tell them at some point that Erica, who was their daughter, and remember that, and, and Anthony Bell were married in November of 2000 at, at a ceremony which she was the ordained minister for. She performed the ceremony. and But she said that they've always had a pretty shitty relationship um yeah on again off again and that they had recently had separated and that on the day before the shootings on saturday may the 20th 2006 that's when it was y'all 2006 erica her daughter and bell had an argument in in uh pastor brown's driveway and where she had to call uh, um, the police out. And so the police get there and they're arguing and they get both sides of the store. They separate them and do what they do. And one of the cops is like, Hey, you know what? You need to get a restraining order uh, on Monday, right? Go in, give them the file number, go into the DA's office. They'll get you hooked up with a restraining order. Well, y'all would have been a TRO or a temporary restraining order. And he had to get served with it. And um, then he has, whatever, how many days till he has to appear before the judge and prove why the temporary restraining order shouldn't become permanent. Um, Y'all, the problem with that is this was a Saturday. And even if she'd gotten the paper, I would submit to you that that paper doesn't stop bullets, right? And so anyway, the um, 
they told her to get it. And unfortunately, this is one of those cases where the husband is got it on his mind. If I can't have them, no one can have them. Right. Um, so y'all, this, it goes on and on and on, but let me, let me go to the next part of the story and how he gets arrested. All right. But the, and I'll tell you everything else that happened. The cops are out, they're doing their thing. They're the crime labs out. They're testing for gunshot residue and all this stuff. And they collect the evidence. Uh, as the police arrived at the scene of the church, they made sure the scene was clear, right? You're going to do that first, make sure the shooter's still not there. And they called the, the ambulance. Uh, and unfortunately, when they went in, they found the five victims, all of the gunshot wounds to the head, but the, uh, the two children who were still alive on the scene. So the police take, get the children out. And that's when Pastor Brown tells them that Anthony Bell had done the shootings and taken her daughter, Eric, against her will. Well, what do you do? You put out a bolo or be on the lookout for immediately to all responding units and, and everybody that's on duty about that that beige Nissan Maxima, right? And that this dude's armed and dangerous. He just shot at least five people that we know of. And supposedly he's kidnapped the wife his wife and kids. The um Miss uh, Dolores Selvage is is another one of the ones who's actually still alive when on the scene, but when they took her to the hospital, she ended up dying. Um the cops found six spent bullet casings that had contained bullets up fired from a revolver, which were collected on the floor of the church. And let me tell you about that. That y'all it in itself tells you, it tells me as a cop, the dude reloaded, right? Because revolver, you, it doesn't, every time you shoot it, it doesn't throw out the empty spent casing like semi-automatics do. So he shot them all up and then dumps out. You have to roll the cylinder out, dump it, push your hand on the button and push out those six rounds. And then you're going to load it with six more. So, um, they they're on the lookout, right? And, and they one of the officers finds the Nissan parked at six fifty North Ardenwood, and it. The, so they call everybody. The are like dudes here, right? And as police arrived at the apartment complex uh, at six fifty North Ardenwood, they see Anthony Bell, and he's sitting outside, y'all, and he's shirtless. And he's holding one of his infant kids, right? Now, when you ask, where's Erica? Well, they approached the car and they found Erica Bell in the passenger seat of the Nissan Maxima. And guess what? She's got a gunshot wound to the head. Okay. But there was a revolver in that was in her. Um, it was, she was holding the revolver in her hand, and and her hand was resting on her lap. Okay, the revolver had one live round in it, and was later determined to be the same weapon that was used in the church shooting. And a live round was also found in Anthony's Bell's pocket when they're shaking him down, right, along with a lighter and a driver's license. Um, you know. They were very suspect of the position of Erica's body. 
in in the, in the manner in which she was holding a revolver. And let me tell you how that works out. If you shoot yourself nine times out of 10 or 99.9% of the time, the firearm is not going to be in your hand, period. You're going to drop it. You're going to, hands are going to relax. Um, it's certainly not going to be sitting in your lap. It's still held in your hand. So they were suspect of that, right? But they found uh, Bell's shirt. Remember that the pastor said the white and blue striped shirt it, uh, in the parking lot of the apartments. And but later on, well, they they test Bell for gunshot residue, and they test Erica, his wife, for gunshot residue, and both of them, both of them tested positive. Um, and the state's expert, when he was asked later on. And it said, mm, if Erica shot herself in the vehicle, anyone else who was in the vehicle should also test positive for gunshot residue. And he had to admit that, yes, they probably would. So, but and also, y'all, DNA from both Anthony Bell and Erica were found in the revolver. Well, that's common sense, right? If he shoots her in the head and it puts her, um, her, her hand on the revolver, it's going to have DNA, right? Um, so... The DNA on the revolver, it was a shit ton from Anthony Bell and only a little bit from Erica. And the they lifted fingerprints from the revolver and it couldn't really they couldn't be compared, y'all. It uh and and also they tried to lift fingerprints from the spent casings in the church and they couldn't be matched up one way or another. So what do we do? The they start to question him. They they Mirandize him and start to question him, right? And he says, Anthony Bell says, you know what? Um, I'm not the shooter. Erica's the one that killed everybody in the church. And then Erica killed herself here at the apartment. And uh, she told me, she said, look away. And he said, I know she shot him. I, I saw her shoot everybody in church. Well, the problem with that is, asshole, you didn't realize you left some people alive, right? And um, But he said, we came back to the apartment now, which was supposedly Erica had a boyfriend that lived there. And now while they went there, I'm going to submit to you that Bill wanted to kill him also. But regardless, the his Bill's story is he did go to the church. He did want to get his wife back. And she got the firearm and killed everybody in church, including her mama. And then she drove to her boyfriend's apartment, and she, she told him uh, to look to his left. He was in the driver's seat. And then she took out a pistol, hit her to loud bang, and she had shot herself. And that's why he was, um, you know, holding the baby, and he knew that she was dead in the car, right? So... That they, y'all, he told all this to Detective Robert Gann, and this was after he was Mirandized. Um, and you know, Gann said, told him, he started, he said, Hey, why did you shoot all those people? And he initially replied, uh, that he was sorry and that he loved his baby. And he said he and his wife had been arguing since around two o'clock that morning, and she had asked him to go to church for her. And once they were at the church, she Erica just pulls out a gun and began shooting. And Anthony Bell said he tried to get the gun from her. Right now he's a fucking hero. And after the 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 fight for the pistol going back and forth, 
He said she reloaded the pistol and continued to shoot everyone in the church, right? Um, and Bell said that his wife intended on killing her boyfriend, Chucky, y'all, who lived, that lived at that North Ardenwood uh, apartment complex. So what the, happens? They, they put him under arrest, and they take him back to the um, headquarters, and they start to interview him, Detective Gann does. And so he tells the story again. And Bell says, hey, look, Erica called me this morning, and – it told me to meet her at the Jack in the Box restaurant, and, and and then they could go to church together. And he said, but I got there, and we were just arguing the whole time. We argued all the way to church. He said, we got in church, and she was still arguing in front of everybody in the church. And then she said that um, that bells started – to confess to things that he had done two or three years in the past that Erica didn't even know about. And Bell said Erica then left the church and came back with a gun and started shooting. And he covered his children as Henry's hero, right? He said, now, you remember before, he said about trying to get the firearm from her. Yeah, he said that he then tried to get the pistol away from Erica by grabbing the barrel with his left hand. I mean, I'm going to see going to try to explain away DNA. Um, and so Gans like, okay, the it had, had the gun been reloaded, and Bell said that he had never said that, and the officer was like, "You're full of fucking shit. You did say that," and Erica. Apparently, at, at gunpoint, right? Then forced Anthony Bell and the children back into that beige maxima. And Bell said um, that after dropping off their older boys, two older boys at Erica's mom's house, which is the pastor that he shot in the head, she then took him to the apartment complex where her boyfriend Chuck lived. And Bell was like, I don't know what she, what she was going to do. And he said Erica was questioning him about his mistress while in the car outside the apartment complex. And he told her the truth. Then she told him to look out the window. And while he was looking away, she shot herself in the head with a revolver in her right hand. Now, the officers and Bell began to argue about and the truth of his story. They were like, you're full of shit, dude. And he was like, no, I'm telling you, this is what happened. And he was, they were like, mm, you know what? Let's, let's put this down on paperwork, right? Let's put this down on a form. You put down your story. And at some point, Bill was like, mm, fuck that. I'm not doing it. Uh, I'm going to wait till my mama gets me a lawyer. So, uh, well, what do you do? The cops, start to dig the Bell's life and, and try to establish a pattern and everything else. And they find one of his um, ex-girlfriends. And she says, hey, look, he's a bad motherfucker. And, and I had to call the cops on him several times throughout our relationship. And she said, look, one night he broke into my apartment and he tore up all my clothes and in the she said he stalked me, 
in, he assaulted me. And, and I'm going to leave her name out, y'all. But she also described an incident in which Anthony Bell locked her in a closet and told her, I can't have you. No one's going to have you. Right? Same kind of pattern. That, um, so let's go to, let's just fast forward to the trial, y'all. Now he gets indicted for all these counts of first degree murder and in on everybody in the church, like numerous counts. And it's definitely going to be a death penalty case. So what happens is the most lawyers can't even try a death penalty case. Most um, public defenders, but there are some who are certified to, to do that. And Bell gets appointed two lawyers by the court and it doesn't take long. And he's like, mm, fuck that. I want to represent myself. Right. Genius that he is. Um, but there's a lot of back and forth and the judge is like, Hey, you know, this is a death penalty case. And he's like, I understand that. I don't want these lawyers, blah, 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 blah. And ultimately they had to, what they always do, get him tested to prove that he was uh, capable of defending himself, or he not not cray cray, right? And he ends up passing, and the judge is like, "You understand? I'm gonna have them here to assist you, and you got to follow the rules of procedure, and blah 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 blah." But look, y'all imagine this: Pastor Brown gets on the stand, and and he gets to question her. And they said he just tore into her and just went on and on and on, even to the point where he he told her, he said, have you and I ever had sex? And she's like, no. He was like, oh, yeah, we have. You're lying. And this went back and forth. He's demanding that they had had a sexual relationship. Now, your daughter's dead. Your mom and dad are dead. All your church members are dead and this asshole that did it and is lying about it is now trying to make you out to be a slut and you're the, you're the preacher, right? So that was one of several things y'all that like the, um, the girlfriend I told you about previous girlfriend, he got to cross examine her. And then after she said all the shit about locking in the closet and he, he can't have me, nobody's going to have me and all that shit. He gets fucking cross-examined her, and he's like, mm, it, basically, he tried to make her look like she was she was crazy and an unreliable witness, right? And he was like, don't you have a habit of making false accusations against uh, me and your other boyfriends? And the he pointed out that she had called the cops on, on a number of her former boyfriends, okay? Doesn't mean it didn't happen, right? But so he he went on and tried to do what he do. Uh, the but look, he you know, I mean he he questioned the the, the states. Uh, he questioned the detectives. He questioned the the forensics examiners and and all this stuff. And ultimately, it would just go on, uh, y'all in. They found his ass guilty of all these counts of first degree murder, and he gets sentenced to death, right? Ship his ass to bloody Angola. He's gone, but he's not. As usual, 
and you know everybody knows this, and we haven't killed anyone since um, Gerald Bordelon. I think it was 2010 through 2012, and that, that he's from the Livingston Parish. In case and I knew him, you know, I knew him well. Let's we'll believe it at that. We go listen to um, the episode "Murder Me Now," but they have all these appeals. All they're going to do now is appeal and appeal and appeal and appeal. And look, he appealed on everything. First of all, he tried to say he was mentally handicapped because he had an IQ less than 50 or something like that. And the court's like, mm, go fuck yourself, right? You, you, you know, you show that you were coherent and we had you tested and everything else. Uh, uh, and you were fit to, I mean, you, you were d- insisting upon being your own lawyer. And, and now y'all, in one of his appeals process, he wants to hire one of his lawyers back and, and stuff. It's just, I don't know if he was playing the game or just he needs some help or what it may be, but the, he did it. And, and that was one, this is one of like 30 something things. He alleges the trial court messed up on. Um, the first one being that he, he wasn't mentally capable of defending himself. Well, bullshit, right? And then he says, like, uh, he 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 believed his his lawyers were holding certain documents from him. He challenged on that, and they had hearings on it and dismissed it. And the um, he said that the district court didn't give him uh, uh, enough money for investigators and stuff like that until it was too late, and that got denied. And he says that the district court didn't. Prize him of his rights and how much you know, trouble he was basically going to be in for trying to represent himself in a death penalty case. Uh, it's bullshit. The judge asked him numerous questions. I mean, the, the I didn't go into it, but I could read them to you. But the um, it, and yeah, you know, that he says that also he said that he had a mitigation expert, meaning that he had mitigating circumstances why he was the way he was, but who who quit working his case when he waived his right to counsel. Uh, and after funds were finally approved for a psychiatric expert, that the expert did not conduct an evaluation in time for his penalty phase. And y'all heard me talk about the penalty phase in the past. You have the guilt phase, which they found him guilty in the penalty phase, which they were like, mm. he's like, oh, well, can't put me to death because this, this, and this, and you know, I had a messed up childhood or whatever, whatever. Uh, well, guess what? Guilty in the guilt phase, also. So, but he said, he says, you know, I, um, even though I had two lawyers who were on standby, they weren't able to help me or effectively help me. And that the court allowed the prosecution to take advantage of his lack of legal education and his limited intellectual functioning. And he claims that the lawyers who were on standby were required to sit in the back of the courtroom and their efforts to assist him were therefore curtailed, right? Bullshit, right? I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Um, The... But he, he also said that the court messed up or erred in not allowing him, Anthony Bell, to revoke his waiver of counsel and have attorney Gregory Rome 
who the other one y'all was uh, Margaret uh, Legat Tuda, and uh, reported reappointed to represent him when he requested it when he struggled with the cross examination of one of the one of the witnesses. But again, all bullshit. You know the the court just hammers him right. Boom, 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 boom. Well, he, you know what he. He appeals it and appeals it, and it just so many of them just goes on and on. But at the end of the day, let me see if there's anything else I want to tell you about. The, all this is just legalese. Um, it'll bore you to death, but it's, it's typical, uh, you know, denied effective assistance of counsel and all this and whatever, not mentally responsible and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? You walked into a house of God. Ask to have the floor. Ask the church to pray with you. And then you ask for your wife to come back. She said no. You went outside. Your, what would it be, father, great father-in-law? I don't know um, what the pastor's dad would be to him. But it was Erica's, I guess, grandfather. And he goes out and checks on you. Dude, you could have left at any point in time. What do you do? You wait till the church service is over, and when they come, that people are leaving the main, whatever you want to call it, hall, and they're going through the little foyer, you start killing them. And they just went to go to church that day, and you killed them. But you even shot your mother-in-law, left her for dead. Shot her in the head, left her for dead. And end of the day, comes back to bite you in the ass, so be it, on death row. Now, the problem for this guy, yeah, I mean, he's just a straight-up cold-blooded killer. The, the, I mean, I don't know you really want how fast you want to go to hell, but it's coming in a handbasket. Um, you kill all these people in a church. I'm pretty sure there's an express lane for that. Now, the problem is... 2006, that's 16, that's 14, 17 years you've been sitting on row, death row, Anthony Bell. And guess what? John Bell Edwards, our governor, not um, letting anybody be executed since, what, 2012, Gerald Borderline. That's just over with. You sheriffs in town, Jeff Landry is now the governor-elect. And to you and the rest of the assholes on death row, your time's coming. Jeff Landry's not going to hold back. You're about to get your issue. And it's kind of fortuitous that you had all these extra years, these 17 years, for your appeals process to be exhausted. So when they start, and it's not gruesome girl anymore, it's still lethal injection. When they start, I expect there won't be too many delays. And I'll end it. Oh, you know what, Anthony Bell? You should have got a divorce. Um, and we'll see what happens. And I'm in that uh, in this episode. Why not get a divorce? Um, y'all, I'm sorry this is going to be a little bit late. It's the end of the holiday weekend and everything else. It, we have a lot of exciting things coming up, so just stay tuned. Um, love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. And don't forget about Real Life Real Crime Daily, Bloody Angola. Um, 
And of course, these original episodes, which will be, you'll have another one next week. We do have, I do have some guests coming on and stuff like that in the, in the future. Um, LOPA, Louisiana Oregon Procurement Agency. You know, that's my jam, people. Um, they save lives every day. Not only do they save lives that, uh, by helping facilitate the organ transplant, you know, they take care of these families. And I can't tell you the messages that I get that people have lost their loved ones and go through the process now. And they've heard of LOPA because of their life real crime. Um, you know, it just it means the world. You know, people are dying, waiting every day on these organ transplants. And so just go sign up to be an organ donor. Go to lopa.org. And look, you don't have to be a lifer from Louisiana. You can be from Kansas City. And you want to become an organ donor, go to lopa.org. Take two minutes, fill out the questionnaire, give the gift of life and sight and all that other good stuff they do, and be a hero, right? Um, and I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on Murder by You. Peace. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will want one for you. Do you understand your rights? When the wolf is at your door, you're running so that's for sure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.